Hello and welcome to the Shepherd Walwyn podcast series. My name is Jonathan Brown. Shepherd Walwyn is a campaigning book publisher based in London, England. Our purpose is to uncover and promote new ideas to society's oldest problems. And whilst our specialty is ethical economics, something Anthony Werner, our driving force for over 40 years, has pioneered, we have branched out over the years to other related areas such as the environment and the lives and works of society's change agents. These podcasts promote ideas we're convinced can actually help us build a better society for all of us. So have a listen and be sure to share with your friends if you like them, but also tell us what you think. These are debates we all need to be part of. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Welcome back to part two of this three-part podcast series with economist and investor Phil Anderson. Now, Phil wrote The Secret Life of Real Estate and Banking in 2008, which documented the boom-bust cycles in US land and property values over the last 250 years. Phil is an in-demand speaker in the international circuit and is also founder of Property Share Market Economics, a subscription service for investors looking for advice on global market movements. Now, following on from our first interview, we begin where we left off with what Phil describes as a great American barbecue, where the USA was parceled up and sold off to the highest bidders. Now, Phil, the last time we were speaking, we were talking about how you caused me heartbreak over Benjamin Franklin mm. and how he essentially he endorsed the, the enclosure of land for a few powerful people so there would be people to work in, in factories and yes. to earn a wage. Um, now, you start the next chapter um, and it's... Some of the some of the title I love some of the titles of your chapters. Um, the very you know clearly was a humour in them. Um, you, and in the first one you've got the Great American Barbecue, um, Mad Cash Disease, GTT gone to Texas, um, and U.S. banking history to, to 1860 and the Western Blizzard, and so on. Um, now, if we got into all the the different boom bust cycles, which I know various economists and historians have studied, um, then we will. I mean, we'll be taking the whole book. So I just wonder what was it that you were seeing in the early, the earlier cycles that were, that then became clearer. The earlier chapters just detail how, when the twelve states of the Americas got together when it was agreed that they form a federal government, the twelve states gave all their land as part of the agreement to the federal government. Basically, that gave the federal government something it, it, which it then proceeded to give away. And so those few chapters, the first few chapters, detail what came to be called the Great American Barbecue, the giveaway of United States real estate. So it was United States, there were 12 states, they united, and the federal government proceeded to do just that, give away the land. So effectively, when you arrived in the New Americas, you could walk to the frontier, you could stake out or peg out, which they did, um, 100 and 60 acres, you could avail yourselves of America's foremost um, surveyor, which was um, which was uh, George Washington. Um, you could get his services, you know, it's a bit, bit, bit before 1800, but um, you could then go into the frontier, you could peg off that 160 acres, you might be in a town or on the frontier, you could borrow from the bank if you needed to, and that became your you owned that 160 acres which you've got title to. Um, in America they realised they had a lot of land to give away. Um, again, you know, those first few those first few chapters detail that 
even though after the first downturn, 1818, 1836, 1854 and so the recovery, whilst the downturns were serious, the recovery was was fairly swift because anybody who was detrimentally affected really simply could leave for the frontier and stake out another 160 acres, which many people did. And so if you, if you were badly affected, um, you could basically, like we were discussing before, you could just you could just go and work for yourself. You could live off the land. And you can see that that, that type of history created much of the America that we see today of, um, of uh, necessity of owning guns and self-reliance and independence from government. They're all, uh, all important factors. And you can see how that developed when, when you study the American um, frontier. And so that's what I detailed in the first few chapters. It was in 1890 or there about 1897 where that frontier ran out. And then you started to get, then you started to get fairly significant um, downturns that became commercial in their in their background, and that's what led to, by about the 1890s, 1893, one of the most serious downturns that the American American um, government and the American people had ever seen. So, what then happened in that? In that downturn, you say it was the, the worst one that people had ever seen to that point. Well, yes, there, suddenly um, there was no frontier to turn to. So the people who were uh, severely affected, they couldn't then go to the frontier and take out their own land anymore and work for themselves because there wasn't any left. Um, and that was it just added a new element into the way that a real estate cycle would turn. Um, it started pushing up uh, land prices um, even more. It started concentrated, so so the people now would uh, instead of heading to the frontier, they'd have to head into the cities to find work. Um, you know the, the slums and everything else that started and began and just started a new. That's where the where the twentieth century came to be and where you started to see um, uh, the real desperate poverty that sort of began. That's that's sort of the way uh, I was reading it from there. And then you you know you get uh, the creation of the banks and with a big corporations and then the get Carnegie Steel and um, all the sorts of trusts that were formed and, and various things that happened in typical American history. And that's when it started to get really interesting as to the cycles and, and what was going on. So until that point then there hadn't been the, the massive boom busts that... No, there'd still been massive boom busts and I detail those, but they were basically, uh, it was really it was raw land that was being speculated in, basically yeah. a lot of it on the frontier, which the American government was giving away. Um, they were still speculating in cities of two, where the massive values were, but uh, um, when the downturns took place, people could go out, they went to the frontier. Um, now, after that, they all congregated in cities in the hope of finding work. Yeah, right. Um, so where does that take us in there? So when do we move into the 20th century in the book then? Uh, well that's when you're starting to talk about the, the, the real estate cycle that happened after 1893 leads into 1914. Um, you get the First World War, uh, you see the development of, of um, all of that happening, you see how uh, uh, the First World War developed, which is which is actually um, interesting uh, um, the, the way that sort of happened uh, often um, often uh, you then get a um, leads into a you know the first part of the cycle, which then we recover and you get a you get a mid cycle downturn and and um, 
then into the second half of the cycle where you get uh, the, the actually the the biggest part of the real estate cycle happening and you started to get the formation of um, first half and second half uh, they're often the two are often uh, whilst it's still the same cycle it's a little bit different in the way they and the way sort of the way they manifest where the first cycle we're still in the first half of the real estate cycle we're still looking back at the past second half we're much more looking forward new things get created you know we all start to think we're wealthy again and you can you can see how that's manifesting in the current uh, cycle at the moment whereby you know when trump came along in um 2016 he forced everybody to forget about the past and look forward and that's now what we're doing so you can see how that's going to build into the, the latter half of this uh, particular cycle and, and I guess if we look at the, the trauma that we've gone through in the last two years, then there could psychologically be that, that. I don't want to look back. I just want to look forward. And almost like the raw, or even live for today, right? And the roaring 20s of, and the hedonism that, that we had in that period. Same. Right? I think we'll see even more of that coming through. Uh, where Perhaps the young people too, particularly, they'll say, well, we better live for today. I don't want to, in case we, I better do everything now in case we do get locked down again. Um, which leads to another whole, another whole, another whole series of discussions um well and, and i guess it could be that, that also could be the reframing of of young people not having any chance of buying property and owning land or owning their own slice of the of, of of property the property cycle and the property booms is is well i may as well live for today because i can't possibly afford a down payment on a house or or other stuff and then it's just that it just feels a the speculation right and well you'll be you'll be enslaved to the bank for the basically your whole life just to pay off one house you know I try to I try to get people a feeling for things um, in the book whereby you know the conventional behavior that we're all taught is to is to work hard save your money buy a house but actually um, I try to get people I try to show them through the book that actually it's probably more profitable to start thinking like a bank itself and that is to to borrow as much money as you can and then have somebody else pay it off you're going to be much more. You're going to be much more in control of your own destiny uh, by doing that, rather than actually just believing the whole take on, on what we're fed at school and everybody else. Whereby you, you go to a good school, become a doctor, become an engineer, um, get well paid, buy an expensive house, and you know, pay it off as quick as you can. What you really want is somebody else to pay it off, uh, which is what banks do. That's you know, banks lend money and have. They get, they get the difference by you paying off the, the money that they create. You know, and there's another whole discussion itself about banks uh, creating credit, which I try to show as we go through the chapters and the way the banks behave in the United States. Banks just print money out of thin air. They, they, people have such a hard time believing that sort of concept as if it isn't possible, but they do. They do. And, and, and that's the thing in, the, in your book, is that if, you've got, if you have a banking license, then that is literally a license to print money. Well... Notice, you know, with all the, these um, 3D printers that are coming through, right? Um, can you imagine what might happen if you sit in your living room and start creating one pound notes or one dollar notes? Because the 3D printer could do that if you want. You know, we, <laughs> we don't even get that discussion because it's just simply not permitted. If you sat in your living room and started using your 3D printer to print one pound notes, you're going to go to jail. It's as simple as that. Mm. Um, I don't know why everybody seems to accept that as being what it is because theoretically um, I detail in the early chapters of the book in some sense this is what part of the America was, was about setting up a bank and printing your own money um, we are repeating that history now where everybody's setting up their own coin or their own cryptocurrency 
and printing their own money. Yes, this is going to come to a dreadful end. The same as what happened in the 1860s in banking. Um, no one will believe it now, but uh, when things turn, when the real estate cycle turns, um, the economy is different. Yes, and I detail in the book because uh, you'll be able to read it for yourself because those who uh, don't know the history will be condemned to repeat it. Fascinating times coming up, Jonathan, in, in the next six, seven years as to the sort of things going to happen. That's why the history is in the, in the chapters there because you have to read the history to know what's coming next. Mm. And we're just repeating it now. It's just, all right, it's, it's, it's crypto now. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a electronic currency, but uh, it's just the same as what happened in the 1860s when uh, anybody could start a bank did start a bank and then printed their own money. Um, I think by adding, by adding some, by about 1860, there were 35,000 different banknotes in circulation in the United States. You had to have, a, you had to carry a book called the Banknote Reporter to work out who had the, who had the notes and who didn't and, and where they came from. So you knew which bank they were from, yes. You know, in the Finnish, the, the central government had to put a, they had to put an end to that because it just got right out of hand. People were printing wealth printing, well, not wealth, but printing their own ability to buy wealth, yes? That creates an awesome amount of speculation, yes? Which is what we're seeing now. You get a leader of that speculation, he gets followers. They all think he's a guru. They all think it's never happened before. <sighs> hmm. We'll see. So there might be something to, to talk to later. In, in, um, at the start of the 20th century then, when you're talking about, so... So there's, there's no more out for someone to go just to stay in the country and just go further. So that's now gone. So that all the lambs have gone over all the way to the West Coast. Mm. Um, we've gone all the way up to the, the Canadian yes. border. Yes. And now it's like, well, if, we're, if we run out of money, we can't just grow our own again through the land. No, so now, you, now you had to actually earn it. You had to, you had to have a wage, earn the money to buy the real estate. And now you had to buy it from someone else. So that was we really so Ben Franklin's awareness that we need to make wage earners. You've got to you've got to enclose a land that then runs out just to, at the end of the well. Of course, in the his day, the they thought century. it wouldn't run out for five hundred years. Right, ran out in fifty. Yes, so you know, maybe there was some logic to to what Ben Franklin was trying to do if they thought they had a five hundred year supply of real estate. And so, in the the t start of the twentieth century, then what you've got is. Um, all the visible land, all the traditional land is enclosed. Mm. Um, and then people have to come and live and work in the cities more and more. So I guess you now have people exposed, people more deeply exposed to the shocks that could happen. In a downturn. Um, in a downturn. Yes. Um, and then you, you said, talk about the land booms of 2008 and 1926. Um, the land of oranges and speculators. Well, that was all involved in Florida. That was, um, you know, the 1926 boom all took place in Florida, whereby they had speculators in Florida that were actually selling land to people who'd never been there. That land was actually underwater. So, you know, the the, the U.S. the people there are ingenious in finding ways of flogging off the real estate to new and un, un, unsuspecting um, customers. They'll do the same thing now again when they start selling off international real estate. It might be on the moon, might be on Mars, wherever it is. Um, it won't be just it, it before we get there. That'll probably be the cycle after. But, uh, you know, crypto people will find ways, even as houses and uh, flats and whatever else get more and more allegedly, unaf uh, supposedly unaffordable as such, the way we work things now, um, 
bankers and crypto specialists, they'll find ways of you being able to speculate and buy parts of a house because it'll be documentable and provable. So you might end up, in a few years' time, you might end up buying one-fifteenth of a house or one-tenth or something like that, and there'll be separate owners, and you, you might band together, five or six of you, and buy the same place and live in it, and you'll each own a fifth or something that can be demonstrable or whatever it is, and however they divide, just decide to divide it up. But it's just, it's just uh, at, at its heart, it's just speculation. It's just allowing... It's just allowing prices to go up and banks to, to create more credit to lend more money. So, and then in the in 2026, I mean, the, the land booms of 2008 and, and 26, you actually have quotes from people from 1929. Um, with Joseph Stag Lawrence, economist writing from Princeton University, there is no possibility of a panic in the foreseeable future. Um, Irvin Fisher, um, stock prices have reached what looks like a permanently high plateau. That was detailing the 1929 collapse, yeah, where people didn't see it coming. Which again, it's, just, it's the same thing. I mean, you, you mentioned in the in the earlier recording, um, Gordon Brown and the end of Boom and Bust, and um, just months before the collapse um, in 2007-8. Um, well, that's what you've got to look for, Jonathan. You, you know, there'll be somebody again as we go into this next final six or seven years, somebody will stand up again and say that um, land or something, crypto, uh, will never collapse. You know, the, the governments have got it now. They understand stuff. Um, we know how to prevent the downturns. We know what we've got to do. Whatever it is that they've done in the past. Um, and they'll say that they've got a handle on it. But th that tells you that it's the top. That's actually what you've got to look for because the system is built on credit and it's built the, the, the higher buildings go, it's the more credit's created. Um, just when it looks its best, that's when it's actually on quicksand. And it, you know, it's a house of cards by then, and that's when it will collapse um, fairly quickly. Uh, you know, people have a hard time seeing that at the time uh, when you get to the peak, but uh, if you read through all the chapters, you'll you will know what to look for because it is well, it has repeated it's, it's since I finished since I signed off on the book. In late 2008, everything's repeated. You know, all the history's there. It's uh, there's nothing, um, nothing new. It's all there. Um, one of the things I do do in the book later on is when I've been able to get um, um, uh, stock market history. You know, I put the stock market in. I show I show a bit of a history of the Dow, and I show people what they can look for in various chapters as well, and how that how the markets behave. Um, you know, there's not too many charts, but it's all written out there for people to see. Nothing new. And I know. I mean, one of the. I guess you know. You, you were talking about um, someone saying that it was a. You know, a page turner, is that the, you do have a way of of drawing out some some engaging stories. And one of the things I've really enjoyed in the books are the scams that come to light, oh. which is the, which is the end of the. They're unbelievable. <laughs> just so ingenious, some of them, and and also as well in retrospect, just oh my god, that one again. Yes. And that in you know, and it's. Um, whether it's you know that whole thing about one bond every minute or yeah, well, or whatever, but um, and, you know all the stuff, you know. So well, look at crypto, you know. Look at the dog. I mean, it's you know it's a scheme. It's nothing. It's it's not going to change much. Yes, and we'll look back in twenty years' time. We'll look back and see, you know people are going to say, "How on earth didn't I see that coming?" Yes. Yeah. But one bond every minute, Jonathan. You know, I've been, you know, I'm not saying I haven't been caught either. We all go through it in, to some extent because we've all got to learn it in, in some way. But uh, you know, I, I, I know I won't get caught again. 
So you you talking you move forward then into the because we have the, the the Second World War, if I'm right, that's the only thing that stopped the 18 year cycle. Well, anything it, that was big enough to it didn't stop the cycle as such. It, to, it, to it just meant we couldn't speculate. Right. Yeah. So if you can't get the boom, you won't get the bust. And you know it was quite deliberate policy after the Second World War, where the, and during it, the government would not allow people to speculate. You couldn't speculate in commodities because because the government needed them to build all its armaments mm. and munitions. So they didn't want to be paying high prices when yeah. some of the stuff was scarce. So they forbid it. Um, and because, of course, uh, there were so many people that, that um, so many men particularly, that went off and fought the wars, that there wasn't there wasn't the need. There was just speculation just didn't happen, and people were preoccupied and busy. And then after the Second World War, it took it took about ten years for for the US in particular, um, and in Europe, uh, rebuilding had to take place. And in the mm. Western part of Europe and in all the West and stuff, uh, it was in the finish rebuilt quite quickly. Um, people, by about 1955, people had recovered their their pre-war status. We'd, we'd got the cookers and the washing machines mm. and the, the, you know, the, the white goods and stuff sorted out. People had come home, they'd, they'd, uh, they'd married, Americans especially, you know, and the English too, I guess, and the Europeans. They, they, the, the men settled down as quick as they could, as best they could. They got married. They had kids. Wanted to forget what they'd been through. Uh, obviously, um, I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't live that part. I just what I saw in the. Just what I saw in studying history. Um, and they moved on, and and um, the new generation comes through. Fred Harrison did some meticulous um, detective work, and he showed how land prices bottomed in the U.S. in 1955, and we kicked off the next cycle, and it was back to the same. It was uh, speculation at all cost, um, and we everybody started buying and selling houses and, and everything else that went on. Banks started creating more credit specifically for for land and house related, and it, we got into the next cycle. And by the nineteen sixty, by the late nineteen sixties, here we were again. Um, things becoming unaffordable, and we kicked things off. So, what do we what what when we when you look at the later cycles then? Um, so there's a big thing around the end of the the ability to to, well, to move to move your way out of a problem. Well, the, the in, the, in the mid to late twentieth century, what 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 did you notice about the the changing the cycles and the changing the boom bust cycles? Well, there was no change in the boom bust cycles as such. Um, what I did notice was was the effort undertaken by government to free up finance. Um, certainly, in the, the as we moved into the late seventies and early eighties, Milton Friedman and Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, all attempting to loosen the ability of people to the banks to to create more money and speculate, lowering of taxes, um, the so-called so-called liberation and more freedom for everybody. Get you know, Ronald Reagan came and said that less government was good government and things, which I I don't dispute. Um, but again, based on enclosure, it fed into. A remarkable degree of speculation again, um, and it just built up the next cycle, and it, it all pretty much happened the same way again as we moved into 1989. Um, just more and more money being created to subdivide more and more land to create uh, allegedly more and more houses because there was supposedly a shortage, and it put us in the boom conditions, which eventually peaked again as they do um, every 18 to 19 years. Mm. 14 years up, four down. Um, it's not, it's not uh, uncomplicated, um, and it's visible there for everybody to see as part of the history goes. 
So it's not complicated. No, it's, it's not no, complicated right. at all. Just takes a bit of time to study the history. Yeah. You know, and that, that took us to um, took us to current. Yeah, and again, just uh, you know, some of the characters, scandals and the and the cons and stuff. It's and remarkable, really. Um, um, I, I I had a good laugh when I was reading um, some of those things for just how consistent the uh, the scams are. You know, it's um, uh, almost always towards the end of the cycle they revolve around banks, credit scams. Uh, who can who can create the best thing? To rake in as much money from the unsuspecting public, mm. yes, and uh, crypto fits that to my mind. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not completely against crypto in some of what it can do with its blockchain and things, but but crypto fits for a for a eventual massive con. Yes, it'll be great fun while it lasts, but you don't want to be in at the end. No, and I, and I guess when I look, when I look at the the cycles. Is that the difference now? So, as you know, you talked about um, Friedman and and Reagan and and Thatcher and and the freeing up of of the of the restraint on stuff. And so it's so it's basically we're adding we've added steroids since the eighties. We've been adding steroids to yeah. the to the market. And yeah. um, and I, I know I mean the the one the the land real estate boom into eighty nine. Ask not what your it's bank nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, ask not what your bank can do for you. And there's um, there's a quote from from Ivan Bosky, the the notorious um, insider trader, who said, "Greed is all right, by the way. I want you to know that." Um, and said just prior to his arrest on charges of insider trading, mm. "I think greed is healthy. You can be greedy and still feel good about yourself." Mm. Um, and the, and the, you know and I guess for people of a who may have seen Wall Street and the you know the Gordon Gecko speeches, they didn't realize that it was actually based on a real. Mm. Um, you know, on, on a, a real mindset from. There's more coming in this decade. There's there's more coming yet. And then you also have a, an old quote that you've you've used a, a few times, which is the best way to rob a bank is to own one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's um, yeah. Yeah. What can you say? So we're, we're we're coming into the we're coming into the present in the in the and I guess most people in worked in in business and stuff. People that a lot of you. Your readers tend to be, you know, more mature, so they'll they'll recognise the eighties and nineties, and um, and certainly I certainly did, and that was that for me allowed me to connect with um, with what had happened in the UK. Well, I've had a good deal of people right in two thousand and seven, so right? Phil, I wish I knew knew then what I know now. I wish I'd read your book twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it, you know, when you when I talk when I think about the the benefit that that having reading this book's done for me is 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 to not be um, well, the, the first of all is to, is to you know when the when the news is all dark is to not be scared because I'm saying to you Phil what's it's John it's not going to go down this can't mm. you know this isn't going to um, and I remember you, you know talking after the the book came out and there's other people are, are much darker than you it's like no it's not going to no. this is going to bottom out it's going to go and you're going to yes. get a lot of asset you yes. know asset price gains and that yes. kind of stuff and it's I saw um, I saw it in the history that stock markets climb walls of worry so the more you more things you've got to worry about the higher the stock market's going to go. Actually, and, and reverse, the, but that's what ha- that is what happens. And I guess the other thing is that you, you know you, you talked about the completion of the cycle, and how the the number of times over the last ten, twelve years when I said, "Phil, mate, what? Uh, how is this going to go? John, it's going to come. It's going to come." And then, and then some miraculous, seemingly unconnected event takes place, and then it's all on again. Or and, yeah. and something. And I say the cycle completes. What I learned like, in the book, my biggest learning exercise: things happen. 
to have the real estate cycle complete. It's just, I know it's hard to believe sometimes, especially, you know, but read the history and you'll see that, um, that events take place to just seemingly make the cycle complete. It just, it just comes forth. Yes. And then, you know, and, and so the land real estate boom into 2006. Now it's the usual scams and cons. You sound tired by this point. It's like, <laughs> oh, there we go again. And it's like there's Enron and there's, what you know, on there, this is on 311 yeah. of the original. This is the, the first edition. Uh, you've got the WorldCom and you've got Enron and, um, and Enron, both its bankers, JP Morgan, Citigroup, facilitated the hiding of losses in dummy accounts. Um, and again, it was just, it was all the same stuff, yeah. only only Big on computers yeah yeah that's right yes <laughs> oh, yeah. rather than um rather than ledgers yeah and and just and also bigger mm. i think we need the computers for the more noughts oh, well. don't we really just because yeah. of the um and you know the telc and it's all well but that's you know, the other thing about uh with when you read the history every cycle has been bigger than the one before it yeah and i said that you remember me saying it in the early days of, of when I was talking here first up in the UK, you know, where were we, 2009, 2011, 2012? Now, I tried to tell people at the time, I said, you know, don't worry about what's going on at the moment, all the bad news and everything else. The next, this cycle, current cycle just started. I said, in, in plain as day, I said, it's going to be bigger than the last one. Yes, and yeah. I saw that because of history. Yeah. Now, people scratched their head back in, like, back, you know, 10, what are we, 10 years ago, yes? Back in 2011 when I, but, you can see it, Jonathan, right? It's, and it is now bigger than the cycle, now well, it's bigger than the prime. You know, and I guess it, there's a whole thing that like if you look at the, the telcos and the internet, you talk about Mark Andreessen as well and, um, and the, you know, the rise of the internet, is that there, we have a tendency of overvaluing the new. We know that those things are going to be important and there's a tendency to overvalue them and get caught up in this is going to change everything forever and it's never going to, you know, it's well, never going to end. The right? number of people that have come back to me and said, Phil, it's different now, surely. We've got computers and we're, you know, isn't the cycle going to speed up now because we're, uh, maybe because we're, we're supposed to be so knowledgeable computers, computers, we've got all the mm. data in front of us. But actually, I think it's getting worse. I, I think we're now, in one sense, I think we're now dumber than we've ever been. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. It's just that we're not, we're not seeing what we should what we should be seeing you know we've got well, I, I think from what you're taking us yeah. away from from what we actually should be seeing and what i've heard you say before is that is is a lack of we're less thoughtful yes right and less reflective mm. and this and the whole thing your whole philosophy is around look, look at the history and actually and look for yourself because you will not believe me i can show you a graph yeah. and you won't believe me so go back to the you know to 1792 three go back to 1800 go back to 1818 and, and come forward and then you can see, oh, start from today and go back and let's look at great crashes and let's look at, yes. you know, 2006, 2008, let's look at 92, 94, and then, you know, let's look at 73. And then it's like, and just keep count and literally count back. And, um, well, and then look, it's... Look at the, I think there's a quote there in the book. I think it was the 18, was it the 18, one of the downturns, 1873 might have happened, whereby uh, some very highly skilled professional people came through and said, the downturn happened because of the invention of the telegraph. It said information was now travelling too quickly. Yeah. And that's why things collapsed so quickly. That's why that's why we had the downturn. This is we'd never had a downturn like this. It had never happened before. And it was the telegraph. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it was you know, 
Well, do you know the other thing you, you talk about? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. As we get well, uh, sorry. As we get into the later later books, is that you talk about? Um, you said there's, there's one excerpt which is a herd mentality, and you say more and more of today's savings are in the hands of fund managers, um, and a fund manager's biggest fear is not performing as well as his or her peers, so they tend to be a conservative bunch. Um, who actually who concentrate whose whose ideas concentrate and coalesce together? So people who who appear to be independent are not. So they're actually they're, they're officially independent institutions, but their thought patterns and that where they're trained and what they're taught it's all the same. Yeah. So they all think the same way, and then they act the same way, and they don't want to be get below the average and everything else because they'll lose a bonus. So it's like right. So how can we we concentrate all in the middle? So Hurting. actually, so you've Hurting. got that. Yeah. Yeah. It's and. Wall Street plays a big part in that too, and look what's just happened now, where Wall Street is now facilitating the ability of of all of us to be able to trade crypto on a futures market and, and buy in and buy out. You know, this is facilitating an ever larger amount of speculation. You'll be able to pledge your crypto that you own. You'll be able to um, hedge it, do whatever you want with it, and just create more stuff out of thin air and that's the same that was what was happening mm. in the past well i mean but now we've got things called nfts that are just coming in right yeah, and and that yeah and so in that sense that's literally it's not how it, it's that literally out of the computer so in that sense it's like we've got everything and so now our steroids are really good yeah. you know and it's like you yeah. know and, and, and the young people love it who've never you know, seen this before and right? it's, yeah it's brand new it said my parents never did this you know they don't know what they're doing Blah blah blah, you know. But it's so in that is you know, someone was saying it's like, oh, someone can buy a you know a token for six hundred dollars and then sell it next week for forty thousand. Don't tell me you can't make money in you know in today's market. And um and it's that that realization as you as you you know as you get older and you just think, yeah, that that smells like a con. And mm-hmm. but what it also smells like is well, it's not it's built on belief. The market is built. There's, a, there's an element of value in it. It's like, well, we're increasingly digital, so having well, yeah, so there is having a, having there. a unique token on your phone or on your computer screen that you spend your day looking at, or instead of watching telly, you're enjoying the art that you bought. Um, that is entirely it's like, well, like, there's a value in that. But the idea that an asset can go from six hundred dollars to forty thousand without consequence and in mm. one way, well, it then did, it's absolute how, nonsense. It, well, it has happened before because the the worth of Chicago. There were land plots in Chicago that went from a dollar to thirty-six thousand in the space of about three or four months. Pure speculation. Yes, it was just f- facilitated uh, buying and selling. Half the time, you didn't even have to own the plot. Mm. You just had to have a access to it. Somebody else might have owned it, but you had title. Yes, on credit. Right. So it's exactly it's, the same. It is. Yeah. It is. It's not any different. Right. So I think so now I think we've got up to the present day. Yeah. We've got up to today and we're talking about NFTs. So let's just wrap this one up and then we can get into the final part of the book, which is looking at the future. Sure. Thank you very much for listening. Join us next time when we look ahead to the future of the markets. Thank you for listening to the Shepherd Walwyn podcast. To explore these ideas further, be sure to visit our website www.shepherdwalwyn.com and join our mailing list for news and special offers. Check out our authors and buy the books to learn more. And you can also find us on social media. Links are also on the website. And if you like the podcast, please head over to iTunes or Spotify to give us a review. It's surprisingly helpful in getting the ideas out there. So until next time, keep reading.